Yeah, I just gotta slow down on the benzos. Hello? Detective Roberts? Jamie, you don't need to keep calling. But I just saw him! Isaac! From our recent discoveries, accessing parallel universes is a possibility. I've never seen anyone more obsessed with finding an escape from his own fate. Infinite universes existing parallel to each other? Isaac? I just saw him. You guys should be out there looking for him. Stop! Isaac! Jamie! I'm so worried! I can't explain. Explain what? It works. You're listening to CGSR 88.5. I'm Lucas Andrews, your moving radio correspondent. Virginia Abramovich is with us. She's the director and co-writer of the film Between Waves, which is part of the Broadview Film Festival, which aims to support and promote the advancement of women in film directors through screenings, professional development, and leadership training. You can catch her film, which will screen out at the Metro Cinema here in Edmonton on Friday, November 10th at 9.15. Welcome to Moving Radio, Virginia. Hi, thank you for having me here. It's so good to have you on the show. As someone who's been directly involved in the process of writing this film and bringing it to the director's chair, you likely have an intimate knowledge around what the story is about. So could you tell us what Between Waves is about? Sure. It's a love story. It's a story about grief and it's a story about mental illness. I watched my dad, who was bipolar, go through this process where he wouldn't be sure what was real and what wasn't. But at times, being around him, the things he would say were almost prophetic. There's film kind of questions is whether Jamie is actually seeing another dimension or if she's going crazy. And it was important for me not to give that answer. You can watch the film with just being like, okay, she's going nuts. She's feeling guilty. She's grieving her lover. This this is all part of, of this process. Or you could watch the film with just being, this is it. Like he's calling her from another dimension, from a parallel universe, and this is her chance to join him. And it's ambiguous on purpose because I actually wanted to look at that in a story. Yeah, you do a fantastic job of writing that line between reality and being blurred. There's a lot of imagery in the film involving water and Jamie, the main character. Although she fears it, it seems like she's drawn to it. Could you talk a little bit about that choice and why that was such an important aspect of the film? Symbolically, Jamie is water and Isaac is fire. They can't be together. They're going to destroy each other. So this love can never be in any dimension or universe. So yeah, Jamie is water. So she fears herself. She fears all those things that we hate about ourselves and all those things that we struggle with inside ourselves. But she's also drawn to it because it's actually the thing that she needs to embrace. And in the end, her fear of water, which is really the fear of herself and partially her mental illness too, which is part of her, part of that water that she is. And there's a lot of imagery in the film around water, but also the colors. There's a lot of things when they're together in Isaac's apartment, there's a painting of the two clashing in the water and fire, and then also a rust as they kind of corrodes each other. To pair to that, I was going to ask you a little bit about this, but I noticed when they were dining, there was these two images of them with a fish and a lobster framed. So I was going to ask you if there was any meaning attached to that. And it sounds like that's a similar idea from two different worlds. Like there's an image of them where you frame them with the lobster and the fish 
Was that intentional? Oh my God. No, that, that was not, that's awesome. Because that was, no, that was there. That's just a restaurant that has, has that window and it's a beautiful window and it's kind of an iconic restaurant in Toronto. It's a dumpling place, actually. They're one of the best dumplings in Toronto. And so one of the things is there's two places. It was my love letter to Toronto and my love letter to the Azores. So I feature some of my places in Toronto that I really enjoy. And then I love the island of San Miguel. And I have wanted for like 10 years to tell a story on the island because it's the most beautiful place I know. So I was really, really fortunate to be able to do that. When you say that, I was going to pair to this idea around showing the things that we love in creating something. The filming, just such incredible locations, the ocean, the water, nature played a huge part in this film. Could you maybe talk about the process of scouting those locations and maybe some of the challenges that were presented to you while either filming or, or trying to secure those locations? So Toronto's Toronto. I rode it around certain locations, probably the hardest location to film, definitely the hardest location to film, to get was Chinatown and luckily a good friend of mine her mother owns a store there so she helped us out and that was awesome but that's Toronto the usual hassle of filming in Toronto filming in the Azores was very very complicated because they have nothing there they have no filming infrastructure so we had to bring everything including apple boxes from Toronto so we ship everything that we were filming with except for like cameras and some of the main gear like lenses and stuff which we traveled with there was like a skid of stuff shipped two weeks in advance and Alex my producer went there five days earlier to receive the stuff. We had also a really amazing person in the Azores, Philippe Traveras, and he became our line producer in the Azores. And he just set all these things up. He had done some filming in Lisbon, but he was a sound person. And the reason he was so great is because he organizes music festivals. He has a music festival he organizes in the Azores. So he just knew how to work that island. <laughs> And that was really helpful. But my connection with the island is my husband's father's side of the family is from San Miguel. So uh, I started visiting the island. And the first time I visited it, I was just blown away by it. And I said to my director of photography, who I've been making films for like 20 years, I'm like, we have to film here. And when we went to scout, so we shot in the Azores in April. So Jason, my first AD and I went to scout in February. So we went to the Azores and picked our locations. And Jason was just like a kid in a candy store. He's just like, oh my God, I can't wait to shoot here. It was just like, but yeah. And he's an excellent DP and I hope to shoot with him again soon. You're listening to Moving Radio on CJSR 88.5. I'm here with director Virginia Abramovich. We're talking about her film Between Waves. She's the writer and director on the film. Her film is screening at the Metro Cinema on November 15th on Friday here in Edmonton as part of the Broadview Film Festival. We're sort of afraid of examining our own spaces. Why do you think that's so difficult for people to do in terms of relating to that character of Jamie? What's that? Thing that usually thing that we need to face is what we fear the most because it's going to tell us what we actually need to do to change and that's probably the scariest thing because change is scary because it means something else is going to come music seems very prevalent throughout the film musicians are a part of it it seemed like an important aspect for you did you have the musicians perform their own music or was that created and then you hired musicians 
just curious around that aspect. So there's different things. Uh, there's the music composition, which is brilliant. Steve Cracklow is a mastermind and a genius. And when he would send me what he was working, because he would send me things in pieces, I would hear it. And sometimes I would just be crying because I was like, how awesome is he? And what you don't realize also is that he's just one person that did all of that, created all those sounds and the way he created them using all these different <laughs> instruments and sounds and engineering things. He's amazing. So there's a lot of music in this film and the bulk of it is composition. Then there's the song that's performed in the Fado bar and Fado is traditional Portuguese music. It's actually not from the island. It's from the mainland. That's Another thing I felt, I felt with a Portuguese guy and a whole bunch of Portuguese things. So Fado music is another thing. The music is called Sodad. The translation for that is homesickness. It's that feeling of missing, that feeling of needing to, wanting to come home. There's not a translation in the English language for that word. But when you listen to that music, it just went with what Jamie was going through. And because it's local, it's a low budget film, we needed to find a song that was in the public domain but was also on the topic. The easy part is, so dad is all about love. So, <laughs> so it was a song about missing your lover and your lover not being taken by the waves. So it was perfect. And then Philippe found us the singer who's a nurse, her actual day job. And she came out and performed and so beautiful. So there's that. And then there's also a song that was re-recorded. The original is by Chris Bell. And then I heard the song, it's Hector Twins, that did the remake, which is the first time. So, and it's, it's called Her and Her Sister. So when I was preparing, when I was writing, I collect images, I collect music, I collect songs. I just collect things that resonate with me when I'm working on a film, when I'm in prep. And that was one of the songs from the very beginning that I had in my music folder. And I knew I couldn't afford it. It was never going to happen. We needed to get rights from Cocteau Twins and also get rights for the re-recording of it. So to make a long story short, we put it in the cut and I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. And then we had a really amazing music supervisor, Michael Palmerter, who went to the ends of the world and got us the rights for a very affordable price. I think it was $2,000 US, which is nuts. And then Stephen re-recorded it with a singer. And she's credited, I can't remember her name, but she's got a beautiful voice. So that's, that's the song when she's driving and then comes to the wave, like towards the end where she's kind of lost and she's asking for direction. There's also a band. They're called Bicycle Thieves. They're a Toronto local band. They're like a local punk, punk band. And they were just like the most awesome guys. They came and I said, I'm like, this is a low budget film. What could I do? How can I pay you? They go, just, just buy us dinner and get us beers. So they, they performed and gave us the rights to use the song. That's so incredible. It's so layered, that whole idea of going home and bringing in so many elements from the places that you love. Speaking of that, in terms of the the film itself and the creation, could you speak to maybe one of the more memorable moments on set for you? Oh my God, I have so many because it was nuts. <laughs> it was so many things, but maybe the, the hardest thing we did and the thing that we all were like very stressed out about was filming in, in open water because we actually went out into the ocean to film in the open water. We had the hero boat where, which had a driver and my DP, Jason Weber and Fiona who played Jamie. 
Fiona Graham was in the boat as well. And then we had a follow boat, like a boat with the crew. And then we had another small boat that had a diver, I guess. And if anything happened, Alex, my producer. So Jason, the whole, like 95% of, of the film was done on the Ronin, which is a gimbal. It's like a poor man's cam. It's called the Ronin 2. And the whole time Jason wore it with the with the camera. And when he got in the boat, he had it on and it's all strapped around him. And Alex gives him a knife and says, if you go over, just like and cut it off. And so we filmed and Fiona had to go in the water and come out. And this is this is the crazy thing. This is the nuts thing is that she never told me, only I found out in an interview afterwards that she actually was afraid of going in the water. So this is my lead actress, <laughs> was afraid of water, which she said she could never tell me because so much of the filming was around water, but she did it. She did it. And I just remember after we filmed that, just feeling like, can't believe we pulled that off. <laughs> Such an amazing sense of accomplishment. And then just the crew, the amazing people. It was one of those things where it felt like we were all in unison. We were all just working together. It was a very small crew too of some of my best friends and good people that I've been making films with. So it was very awesome. It's such a cool thing, this idea around your main characters are afraid of water. And like you said, she just kept it a secret. Um, she kept it secret. That was the other thing is she kept a secret and she had to... So when she went, in, like when she went into the waterfall, I remember her being like, she had to go into the waterfall and my first AD had to get in there with her and stand beside her and all this stuff. But the waterfall, like it wasn't very deep. And I was just like, oh, okay. But only later, like all these things started to make sense. But anyways, yes, that working with Fiona Graham was amazing. She is I don't know. It was a dream. And her and I met at a film festival many years prior. And when I started to write the film, I contacted her. I said, I have this film I want to write and I want you to be and I want you to start. She lives in New York and I came to New York and we created this character, Jamie, together. So that was that was the first is how Jamie got born. I knew what the story was. I knew what I wanted to do with the story in some ways the main idea of it but Fiona worked to make this character and then when Catherine Andrews and I wrote the script by the way I, I have not talked about Catherine Andrews who's my co-writer who's a superb talent and she's so amazing to work with and collaborate with and my second feature which right now I'm trying to get funded we also co-wrote together and so with Fiona, Catherine Andrews and I went to New York when the script was in pretty good shape. And then we workshopped some of the scenes. So it was a really awesome collaborative experience. I had some funding from Canada Arts Council when I was writing the, the screenplay. So that gave me the opportunity to have the space to just work on it and work with the story and work and do these kind of things. So that was a, a gift as well. When people come out to see the film here in Edmonton, what do you hope they'll take away from the film? So I hope that they take away strength and belief in themselves. And I do believe that others around you can heal you and help you heal and as well the environment around you. It's really a story about Jamie healing herself. And I hope that people that watch it can find 
that strength and also about finding Miguel and somebody they they find each other and then help each other get over their grief together in a way I think grief and also feeling guilt about when somebody leaves especially if they leave by taking their life can be really I don't think you ever get over it but over time and people that are around you I hope I hope hope <laughs> That's certainly a beautiful message for people to take home. Hope is an important aspect in our lives. It's been so great for you to join us here today, Virginia. Thank you so much for your time. You're listening to Moving Radio on CJSR 88.5 with the director and co-writer Virginia Abramovich. You can see her film Between Waves with at Metro Cinema on November 10th as part of the Broadview Film Festival, a festival that aims to support and promote the advancement of women film directors through the festival screenings, professional development, leadership training. It's Moving Radio. I'm Lucas Anders, your correspondent for CGSR 88.5, the farthest left on the dial. If you were crossing from one dimension to another, how would you know which one was yours? Since when are you so interested in our research? I don't think it's that was an accident. I don't know who to trust. Just trying to understand things.